1: Thank you everyone for listening to Plan talk this week. It's just going to be me and Gage. Adam has some other things he has to get done. Um, so to kick off, uh, we have a lot to talk about this week. Um, but first, we're going to touch on the Packers win over the Falcons. I-, I believe it's actually the first win they've had since we started the podcast.
2: That's that's accurate. Yeah, they uh, we were not a good luck charm for them.
1: Well, I thought the offense just they were able to establish that rhythm early. And Phil touched on that, you know, after the game, how, you know, they they were playing without three starters on the offensive line. No Belaga, no Bell, no Lane Taylor. So they wanted to get those guys settled in and they did a great job. But I'm just wondering why they haven't looked for the quick passing game more this year.
2: Well, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you've heard me talk about it. Uh, I know Adam has mentioned it. You, you've mentioned it. It's been something that they went to a lot in week one, and then we never really saw it again after that, which was really surprising due to like Rogers' like injury, like his knee injury and his lack of mobility. But um, that I mean, that quick passing game establishes a rhythm, something that um, Ben Fennel and Michael Cohen actually talked about on um, Michael's uh, athletic podcast was mm-hmm. that um, they think that it might be Rodgers just gets bored with that easy, quick hitting passing game. Like it's too, it's too, so easy for him. He doesn't want to do it just because like, it's, it's not fun. And I thought like, I, I get it because obviously he is such a smart player that just plays so above so many people, but it, it, it works when it's done there's a reason that a lot of NFL teams do it they do it very well and the Packers going I think should definitely consider going back to it more especially especially this week uh, against Chicago but we'll get we'll get into that a little bit
1: later well I think it's an interesting point that maybe the short passing game the simplified offense isn't stimulating the Rodgers but isn't Winning the main goal here, I think he would do it if it if it meant he was coming out with the W.
2: Don't get me wrong, I I think like obviously he knows that it can help them win, but it, like let's think back to in all of Rogers' career, he's always going for that home run ball. That's right. what he's all about. He Rogers is all about throwing the long ball, throwing the throwing the deep shot. That's why on third and two, rather than just manufacturing a quick slant, which I as a i mean it's been a few years since i played madden a lot but whenever whenever i had a third and short i'm going to the slant it works every time and yeah the nfl is different than a video game but the the slant works that there is reason there's a reason that every single nfl team does it every single week Mm -hmm. every single drive the slant works super well and i think that that's what they should go to more in those third and short situations if you don't want to run fine go ahead throw the ball use a quick slant with to Devontae in the slot. There's not a lot of corners that are going to beat him on that route.
1: Yeah, and Devontae especially is so good at faking that outside release and then getting inside on the inside shoulder of the corner. But McCarthy used to call the slant, you know, a lot earlier in his career, but now, I mean, over the last couple of years he kind of got away from it.
2: Yeah, he like he still calls it a lot um, down in the red zone, which that I mean, that's that's a great thing. But he he it just seems from 20 to 20. He doesn't he doesn't want to mess with it. And I, I'm not sure why. I don't know if maybe that's again, Rogers going kind of improv-y like, you know what, I don't want that. I want the 30 yard gain. I don't want the five yard gain. But I mean, McCarthy in the red zone, he calls it a lot. He calls mm-hmm. outs and he calls slants a lot in the red zone, and it works extremely well. There's a reason that Adams has more touchdowns than anybody over the last, like, three years.
1: Yeah, very true, and obviously Rodgers does love the back shoulder in the red zone as well. We've seen it a number of times this year, especially to Devontae. Um, we even saw the, the um, I posted on Twitter, the wheel route from the slot to Cobb it was a, just a magnificent throw by Rodgers to Cobb and, on that touchdown. Yeah,
2: great coverage by the corner. Like there was nothing he could do. Like he yeah. he was in exactly where he was supposed to be and there's just there was nothing uh, the, nothing that he could do. And that's something that there there was a couple plays like that in this game. There was that one and then there's a, there was another one. I I want to say it was I want to say it was Devonte. It was uh, Robert Alford. I'm pretty sure was in coverage on him. Literally, the ball was right in his face. Like Rogers dropped it between his arms, right into right into Adams' right into Adams' hands. It was just it was a beautiful throw. And I'm like, this is the Rodgers that we all expect to see. Mm-hmm. And it's just not who we've seen this year.
1: And on the defensive side of things. We saw Breland, of course, get the pick six. He also recovered a fumble. I thought the defense as a whole played pretty well. Um, obviously, Julio had a pretty good day. Um, Clay Matthews did get one of his rare sacks. But even more so, Clay was really good against the run, setting the edge, and even um, you know beating the tackle inside the close-up uh, running lanes. He was really good against the Falcons.
2: Yeah, Matthews had a great game. Um, I think it's you know, obviously he's thirty three, so it's a little, so he, he and so he's a little on the older side. He doesn't quite have the the first step and uh, like the get off that we're used to seeing from him. But he's still got, he still has flashes. He still shows flashes now and then. Um, he definitely took advantage of his cousin there that on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he like he had a great game against him, Jake Matthews. His Uh, Improved a lot since uh, when he first since when he first entered the NFL. Um, But Matthews had a great game against him setting the edge against the run. Um, He just he had an all around like good performance that if he could just do this more often, I think that there would be a lot less questions about whether or not he'll be back next season.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And I think. He will be a candidate. I don't think they're just going to close the door on Matthews. He still has a lot to offer. He still has some juice left. We've seen it, maybe not consistently, but we've seen it this year, particularly uh, last week. Um, you know, he just he, he I wish he could string together more of those type of types of performances, but um, you know, he's not going to get that contract he probably wants. But I don't think the Packers are just going to you know, turn their back on them altogether.
2: You know what, that's completely fair. Um, I mean, they obviously, they didn't close the door on Julius Peppers a few seasons ago, and Peppers was even older than Matthews is now. Uh, I don't think Matthews is quite the player that Peppers is. Peppers is first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Not saying that Matthews isn't when it's all said and done, but Peppers has just been an amazing player for a long time. Uh, and he, and he brought a little bit more versatility just cause he had that, that great knockdown ability at the line of scrimmage with his height, um, uh, due to those basketball skills from North Carolina. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: I, but yeah, I think Matt Matthews is obviously the, of the Packers free agents this off season. He's the most, exp- or he's got the most expensive contract that's coming off the books, And I definitely think that they, I think that he'll get a look as a, to be brought back. But if they bring him back to be the starter, I think that that's a mistake on their part. Um, I think he can be, I've seen a lot of people wanting him to go play inside linebacker, and I'm not sure why. I think that he should be a situational pass rusher at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if you want to do, like, play him as an inside linebacker where he's doing some blitzes up the middle, that's, I like that. That's not the worst idea at all. Cause, he, cause his speed can kind of like help him get by some of those slower moving guards that couldn't make it at tackle. Um, but I, but I don't know for sure that he's going to be brought back. Um, his like his injuries and his inconsistency might have them just thinking, you know what? Maybe we can go out and land some other guys with this money that are going to be more consistent.
1: And I, I'm really glad you brought up playing inside because I that I couldn't think of a worse (laughs) conversation starter with Clay if you bring him and his agent into the office and you you bring up moving him inside I just think that would be a huge turn off for Clay he's said it multiple times he doesn't really like doing that he wants to be a pure pass rusher even though maybe he would benefit from being moved around a little having a, a few more wrinkles uh you know that are focused around him as far as the pass rush goes and blitzing. Um, but that will definitely be uh, an interesting conversation to have after the season. Um, just to wrap up the Falcons game, the Packers won 34 to 20. It really wasn't that close. It, didn't it was that not close. at all. Yeah. It no, wasn't, it it, no that, th-
2: that was two late touchdowns that made it look a lot closer than it was. It was 34 seven for much of the fourth quarter and then the off. And then the defense just kind of, rested on their laurels a little bit which is fine when you're up 34 to 7 you can do that. Do we it, I mean uh, like we I've been wanting them all season long to play a complete game and even though they rested at the end I think that this is the most complete game that they've played um on both sides of the ball. Uh, the offense didn't still wasn't humming as much as you'd like. Rodgers didn't even throw for 200 yards, but he also he didn't have to. The defense did a lot of work for him and Aaron Jones for whatever reason, didn't get a carry into like the second quarter, but he when he was given the ball, he made plays.
1: He did. And he had the long touchdown run. Uh which was a beautiful,
2: beautiful play. Like just I um I recently subscribed to the Athletic and Ben Fennel did a great breakdown of it. And he just when he puts his foot in the ground, he's gone. Like he just he's gets the whole defense moving and then just cuts upfield and he's gone. There's no there's no hesitation. There's no it, it it just it looks so clean and it just excites me for to see where he's going to go.
1: Yeah, he's definitely explosive. He's a one cut back. He plants that foot and any play can be a huge play for Aaron Jones. And he did get 17 carries against Atlanta, which was refreshing. He should be in that range pretty much every game of the year. Uh, but we haven't seen that. Uh, maybe philbin will continue to do that philbin appears to have won over the locker room for the most part the guys played with much more energy than what we've seen in the past month or so and rogers
2: looked like he was having fun out there that was that was something nice to see i mean i'm i got pretty tired of seeing rogers looking like me when i'm sitting on the couch like he just looked angry and i looked angry because i'm looking at him being angry this guy's getting paid $34 million or whatever it is to go play football, and he's going to be pissed off. Get out of here.
1: Yeah, it definitely felt different. And Rodgers was different. I mean, winning helps, but I don't think they win that game if McCarthy is still, you know, at the helm. I mean, I just think the move, we're, we're still debating whether or not McCarthy should have been fired in season, and I still can't see any reason why it was a bad call.
2: I I personally think that it was the right call just because of the like what like when I like take it in my head of it's he yeah they knew they were going to move on from him anyway and I also and I think this is also somewhat of Joe Philbin was obviously going to get a phone call of whether or not he was going to be the guy so maybe so this is his audition they're like fine we're like Mike you're Mike's going to be gone anyway Joe's going to get a call let's see what he can do as the coach of this team so it's almost like they gave themselves a chance to see Joe Philbin as the head coach Mike McCarthy was going to be so that I think that it's comes down to that like they knew what they were going to do in the first place so they just kind of sped it up and now rather than going with Joe Philbin next, like in the off season, like say he wins, like he is the guy they choose thinking, yeah, he knows how to do it. He knows the team. And then he comes out and just, they fall flat. At least now they know what he's going to do.
1: And, to think about it, Philbin's not necessarily just auditioning for head coach. He still can be the offensive coordinator next year. This could be, you know, his campaign to remain with the organizations showing how the team responds to him, how the offense is still, uh, responding to what, um, you know, his schemes are, uh, his coaching in general. Um, so I'm still not going to rule out him being on the staff next year. I don't want him to be the head coach. Um, and speaking of head coach, uh, Monday night, the Vikings took a brutal loss to the Seahawks. We saw uh, offensive coordinator uh, uh fired the very next morning. Um, how does that affect his candidacy for the Packers opening? Um,
2: I think so. Uh, a lot of like, obviously, I get on Twitter a lot. And uh, one thing that I saw about it is it definitely hurts his chances. But it doesn't eliminate him at all, and he and the Packers will definitely still call him. He um, like so that this isn't the first time that we've seen an offense of coordinator under Mike Zimmer just not mesh well. Like North Turner just didn't do didn't mesh well with roughly the same pieces just because he was under Mike Zimmer. And then he went to Carolina and created an amazing offense this is, I think that it was a more of a like Di Filippo's still a very talented offensive mind, and I think it's more to do with Zimmer and Di Filippo didn't match ver- rather than Di Filippo just doesn't know what he's doing. Now, do I think that, he, like, he, I, like I said, I think it definitely hit, hurts his chances, but he's definitely not eliminated from the race at all.
1: He's definitely not eliminated, uh, and he was pretty much a scapegoat for bigger issues. You already talked about him not seeing eye to eye with Zimmer, which is a rumor that kind of surfaced after the firing. Um, I believe, you know, Zimmer just has a, a defensive background, so it's not, you know, shocking really that he he, he doesn't see eye to eye with the offensive coordinator, especially one who has head coaching potential like DeFilippo. Uh, De but, uh, you know, the more and more I watched the Vikings, the more and more I I, I started to kind of grow grow cold on the Filippo higher just because their offense just really hasn't been the same this year as it was last year.
2: It hasn't been the same, but you also have to take into account they just haven't they have they were different like the, from the first half of the season to the last half. They like Adam Thielen was a monster tearing up nfl offenses left and right and then for whatever reason they just haven't looked his way as as much as they like they just haven't looked his way as much i don't know if defenses are doing way more to take him away or what but the guy has just been nearly absent for much of the last few weeks i know mike zimmer wanted to run the ball more and dalvin cook has gotten more run but Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are the driving force on that offense. And if you're not feeding those two the ball, you're doing something wrong.
1: Well, I, I, and if I'm not, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think Adam Thielen started off the year with like seven straight or eight straight 100-yard games. and I now- believe
2: he got to, I want to say he got to nine, but may, I want to say he got to nine and then lost it because um, yeah. I believe he tied Calvin Johnson.
1: He had a Let's big see, he week. He got to
2: um, one more performance. Uh, so he, I thought he got to eight, yes. He got to eight, and then it was snapped at nine. That's what it was. And or like he, he did get to a ninth one.
1: Yeah, and then he had a big day against Green Bay. Um, you know, to kind of get back on track. But now he's falling off again. Kirk Cousins <laughs> continues to struggle in primetime games, I think we all can agree the Vikings are probably starting to doubt that contract they gave them. Um, I think that that,
2: they, I don't think they're doubting it, but they also are. I think they're going to realize in the off season, like I think Kirk cousins is worth that contract based on his, his ceiling of what he can be. But his, the problem is it's his floor is not what some of the other guys in that range are. Like, he is very turnover prone. They're not having him run as much as he was in in Washington. Like, in Washington, yeah, no, he's he's not Cam Newton. He's not Josh Allen. He's not any of those guys. But he does have better running ability, and he's not getting the ability, or he's not getting the opportunity to do that in Minnesota. Because I think that Kirk Cousins... Does not like needs a different quarterback or a different coordinator or a different coach than Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is a very old school guy. He wants to run the ball and he wants to play defense. And yes, their defense is elite. But if you're going to go out and pay a guy thirty million dollars a year, you have got to put him with like you got to let the offensive coordinator to just run the show. Like you like you got to get an offensive coordinator that gets how Cousins works and just let him run it. Like Zimmer needs to go total hands off, right. and, and Like, like I don't care if he doesn't like the guy. You got to let him go hand. You got to go hands off and let him do it. And if he now, if he shits the bed, pardon my language, but like if he just doesn't do it, then sure, go ahead and get in there. But if he just let him do it, and because you saw how the offense was at the start of the year, they were carving up teams. Adam Thielen was a monster,
1: and they had a I think, huge week in week two against Green Bay.
2: Yeah, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs went absolutely nuclear. I think that it all comes down to Mike Zimmer needs to, with their next offensive coordinator, because uh, I assume he's still going to be the coach because he's he knows what he's doing. Whoever the offensive coordinator is, he needs to pick somebody that he likes and then just get out of their way. Let hit them and Kirk Cousins go do their thing and then get out of the way and let let him do his job because the guy because whoever he brings in needs to be his guy like Zimmer needs to have a big say and to be able to bring in whoever he wants
1: well he'll have a great opportunity potentially to run the show without having to go through a guy like Zimmer in Green Bay Um, you know I think he definitely should still be brought in for an interview just so Mark Murphy and uh, Gutekunst can kind of, um, you know, just pick his brain and see what uh, he envisions for the Packers' offense. Um, but we, I, we may not agree on this. We may agree on uh, a couple guys. Uh, some guys the Packers may bring back next year. Some guys they may not. I'm going to just name three names I'd, I'd like to see uh, in Packers uniforms next year. I'll start with Bashad Breeland. Uh, Geronimo Allison, and uh, surprisingly, I do want to see Clay Matthews back. Who are those you know, free agents you wouldn't mind to see back in uh, Green and Gold next year?
2: Um, I definitely agree with the first two, um, Breland and Gimo. Uh Both of them, their only enemy has been health. Allison, before, mm-hmm. when he was healthy, was the clear number two above Cobb which I was completely okay with. Breland has been an amazing player. I would love to see him and Alexander paired as the one-two. And because Breland's got a little bit more size, so he matches up a little bit better against like some of those bigger guys. But if you want to put Alexander on those bigger guys, it's not going to matter. Alexander plays way bigger than his official listed size. Um, so I'm completely okay with that. Matthews, depending on the deal – I'd be okay with it. Um, I want him to be a situational pass rusher. I don't want him to be the starter. Um, I just don't think he's got the legs anymore um, to do it now, now. I don't think that he needs to be only only played on third downs, but in obvious passing situations, bring him in and then just and then bring him back to the sideline. Let him just don't overwork him because I think it's going to go bad for you. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Muhammad Wilkerson back. On a similar deal, um, mm-hmm. just just kind of going down the list here. Mercedes Lewis, uh, I don't think that they're going to bring him back. And I mean, frankly, if I was him, I wouldn't want to come back anyway because Green Bay showed that they don't want to play him. Lance well, he can't can run. run.
1: He really. Well, he. Well,
2: anymore. the thing about Lewis is he was brought in to be a blocking tight end. He was the number one blocking tight end in the NFL last season. And they like I don't care if he can't run. That's what they had Jimmy Graham for. Now, granted, Jimmy Graham hasn't been amazing, but mm. he, Mercedes Lewis should still be playing over Lance Kendricks, especially in run running situations. Like if you're going to run the ball, don't have Lance Kendricks be your lead blocker. I have Mercedes Lewis do it. He knows what he's doing. Byron Bells can be gone. House is gone. Um, what Eddie Pleasant
1: Cobb.
2: Cobb um, I think that they need to move on from Cobb. And bring in a different veteran presence that's um, got a better he- bill of health, um, and just is like I wouldn't mind seeing another slot guy, but I don't think it's Cobb. I just I think he's gonna like I think he's gonna want a little too much money,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I also don't want him to be playing over some of the younger guys that need more playing time, like Adams and Allison, MBS. St. Brown, and more. Those are the future guys, but I would still like to see a veteran brought in. Um, Jake Ryan, I think, has gone. Ibrahim Campbell is an interesting candidate. Uh, I thought he played well. I thought he brought a certain level of kind of swagger to the team when he was in the game, and I liked seeing that. Um, now, I don't think he can be the starter, but I definitely think he's a good – like, I thought he was a good player. Um mm-hmm. Lucas Patrick maybe, but he hasn't really done a whole lot. McCray, ugh, maybe if you want to bring him back as a as a depth piece, but he's yeah,
1: he's a nice stopgap. I mean, he's he twenty, nice
2: he's twenty seven, and he's struggled a lot this year. If he's, I mean, if you want to bring him back on a cheap deal as a backup, fine. But if he walks, it's not the worst thing in the world.
1: Kensho Bryce
2: He did, yeah. No, he he does have good. Um, What's the word? Versatility. He's not bad in that area. But again, I, I don't want him to be brought back as a starter. It's crazy to think he's 27. Like That's that's pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, Kentrell Bryce is interesting. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I think that he'll be cheap enough. They can bring him back. I still don't want him to be the starter. I think they need to address safety somehow this offseason. And sure. Kentrell Bryce is not it. Reggie Gilbert, I would love for them to bring him back. I want him to see more playing time. I think he deserves it. I think the guy, just he, when he's on the field, he brings great energy. And outside linebacker is already a position of weakness. They can't afford to let him walk. Uh, I wouldn't hate seeing Robert Tanyan back. I think uh, Big Bob, has he's made some plays here and there. And I think he's only going to get better. Jake kumaro, um, despite my fantasy team name of kumaro Hype Train Conductor, I mean, if I don't think he's going to be back, I think they're already too deep at wide receiver. He's twenty-seven, which makes him older than anybody else in the wide receiver group, minus Cobb right now. So I'd be, a, I, I don't think he'll be back. And then there's Kendall Donerson, but I'm not. I don't know how much he's able to bring to the team as anything other than a depth
1: piece right now for a lot of those guys you listed it will come down to the price tag especially for clay and Cobb. um i'm not opposed to clay coming back for around you know six mil a year he's making about 13 right now so let's cut that in half um and it doesn't even have, it only has to be two or three years, similar to the uh, Julius Peppers deal they signed in, uh, what, 2014, 2015. Yeah, uh, it was a
2: three for 15 with a team option on the final year, or it, it was either a team option or a non guarantee. Right. And I'd be okay with, like, if he wanted to sign a three for 15 with a with a final, final year as a team option or a non guarantee year or whatever, I'd be okay with that. Um, I just, anything over that, I think that they can find pass or edge defender slash pass rusher is easily the deepest, like arguably the deepest position in the, in this off season between the draft, as well as the free agents that are going out there. I think that's the area they like, they can easily target that. So if Clay's like, no, I want more money than you're willing to give me, or I want more than five a year, they'll be like, well, fine, we'll go find somebody else that's better and younger
1: and two guys we didn't even <coughs> touch on contracts that they may be willing to eat this offseason Brian Balaga and Nick Perry. Both have, well, neither have stayed healthy and both have kind of underperformed this year, especially Nick Perry. But maybe that's due to injury. Nick Perry is making way too much money. I think it's around, what, 11, 12 million a year. And he's not, he didn't produce at all. Um, so they may decide I- to eat that contract.
2: I don't think that they'll eat Perry's. Like it's a yeah, it's eleven million, but I don't think they'll. They I think it's one. If he plays at a position that they're already super thin at. He's 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 shown that all he needs is to be healthy, and the play that he got injured on was such a freak play. Like even he mm-hmm. said how weird it was. So those freak plays aren't always going to happen. I mean, like yes, they're obviously crazy things happen, but I don't think they're always going to happen to him. Um, so I, I don't think that he goes, um, I saw somebody posted a poll the other day. I think it was Zach Cruz a Packers wire. It was which Packer would you be the least surprised or which one do you most expect to be back next year? And it was Clay Cobb, Graham and Perry. And a lot of people voted Graham because he's got a couple years left and mm-hmm. but for me, I thought it was Perry just because it that's 11 million dollars. Can you really afford to just eat that and take up roughly I don't know what yeah. the cap's gonna be. This I think year.
1: it would be a nine million dollar cap hit. so
2: um, I, I think I think you're right. I don't know for sure. I'm just I'm trying to let's see Nick Perry. Nick Perry's cap hit. Where the heck is it at? Okay, Nick Perry's cap hit. Oh, is right now it's ten point seven five. This is on injury reserve. So let's see. Wait, when did Blackguy get sent to the IR? Okay. Um, and then no, next season it's an eleven million cap hit. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's a dead. Ca- so or so it's a well, it's a dead cap of eleven, um, and then it goes down after that. Uh, but I think he, so he's 29, so he's got three years left, 29, 30, 31, hypothetically should be his, the end of his prime. And I think if, I think if anything, they cut him next year, uh, because I mean, they have a potential out anyway, like they can cut him next year. So I think he'll be back because he played just because of the the like how thin they are at the position and how big his dead cap would be. That's I mean that's just me because I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to just waste so much of my cap space on no. one no. on le- letting that guy walk.
1: No, they they definitely could very well hold on to Perry for another year just to see um, if he can rebound, um, but. Uh, this free agency as a whole will be just as exciting uh, as the draft this offseason season for the Packers. They will have plenty of cap space. Um, uh, they will make a number of moves. Surely uh, Kuntz is not afraid to shake things up as we all well know. Um, but let's just move on to Chicago before we wrap this up. Um, Chicago uh, is riding high. They They just – Got a huge win against the Rams last week. Uh, Defense has continued to be stifling. They picked off golf four times. Rodgers has thrown one pick all year, 358 consecutive passes without an interception. He will have to take care of the ball. Again, they can't fumble. They can't have one of those pivotal fumbles that just ruins a game for them. Um, What are your keys to beating the Bears, and do you have a score prediction?
2: Um, so keys to beating the bears is attacking the slot. Um, in week one, we saw Randall Cobb have clearly his best game of the season, not even close. Uh, a lot of, some of that was that kind of busted play where he just kind of turned around and saw he was wide open. He's like, well, geez, I guess I'll get going. Um, so I think, uh, attacking slot, especially with Bryce Callahan being out with a foot injury, I think that they should definitely attack that spot. Um, and because, I mean, now his, now his backup has not been awful. Uh, can't remember his specific name off the top of my head. Um, but he's played, he's played decently, uh, for a backup. He's, but he's, but I think they need to attack that area of the defense. I think they need to go with that quick passing game, especially depending on, especially depending on how the offensive line looks with injuries. Um, I don't know who all is expected back this week.
1: Uh, Lane Taylor uh, is expected to be back.
2: Okay, um, and yeah, but if Jason Spriggs is playing um, right tackle, you gotta get the ball out of you gotta get you gotta give him help, and you gotta get the ball out of Rogers' hands. Um, just you can't uh, you can't afford to let Khalil Mack wreck your game like he did in week one. Um, you can't afford to let Rodgers just get beat up all night long. Jared Goff has been kept clean for much of this season and the Ram and the bears were like, whatever, dude, we don't care. We're going to go ahead and we're going to come in here and we're going to beat you up all night. And it showed they like, they went, they went to Chicago and got beat up. And I think that the Packers offensive line is much worse than the, than the Rams, um, especially when injured. So Um, I would love to see them to go to that quick passing game to kind of wear the Bears defense out. Just dink and dunk your way up the field. Like, Rodgers may not like it, but if he can, like, I think he could go, like, 25 of 30 and get 250 to 300 yards. Because those quick passes can set up those long passes with, like, a double move. So, like, if you've been all night long, you've been getting them on the out, and then... You and then you set up an out and up kind of like we saw the other the other day the wheel pl- the wheel route or um, just kind of a double move it can work and it can set up the big play with the with the quick plays so I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the Packers decide to do if they try and go with the Rodgers hold the ball and run around and make something happen I don't think that'll work as well. Spe- like this defense is just playing so well right now this Bears defense is just doing so well that yeah. you can't afford to let Rodgers hold the ball. It just, it will not work. They um, lead,
1: They lead the league in interceptions, so.
2: They lead the league in interceptions. Kyle Fuller's playing great. That was a great decision by the Bears to match the Packers offer sheet. Um, But, uh, so I think the keys to the game, literally, it comes down to the offense. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, oh, and, and another small thing is outlasting the Bears early. So I don't know if you watched the Bears game the other night, but uh, there was a stat put up that Trubisky in the first quarter plays amazing. He's got like a seventy-three percent completion percentage. He basically doesn't throw interceptions. He is he plays really well, and that's where he's thrown most of his touchdowns. And then the rest of the game he falls off. So it's some of that. Everybody knows that the offensive script the first team, the first fifteen plays of the game. So the Packers have to outlast that, and then last that initial punch, and then, then that's when the game kind of starts, like kind of starts for real, like because after those first fifteen, you're just playing the game. So if the Packers can outlast that and keep it close, I think they got a really good shot of winning this game. They've won something like I think it was like it was an eight, eight straight on the road yeah. at eight, Chicago.
1: Eight straight. Eight straight.
2: No, I don't. Now it's not as much of a gimme as it has been in years past. Clearly, um, this this Bears team is much better than it's been. Um, the Packers are also. Um, if the Vikings lose, the Bears automatically win the division. So, that, but they're still playing for their playoff lives. Um, they're slim. Got to everything's got to bounce their way. Um, I'm gonna pick the Packers in this game just because for whatever reason. Whenever Green Bay plays Chicago, these two teams just play vastly different versions of football than we normally see. If you when you play like a non-conference team or a team you don't play very often, you play your way. But when you play against a rival that you see twice a year, sometimes three times, depending on playoffs, you just play different. You play how you know how to beat that opponent. And I'm gonna pick the Packers in a very close game. I'm pretty sure the spread was like seven. Or three. I I can't remember what the what the spread is on this game. Um, let me look that up real quick. And let's see. Where's uh, it at? where's it at? Where's it at? Oh, it at, it at? Uh, it's so it's right around. I think it's what seven and a half. Right. Uh, wait. Mm-hmm. Seven, and half, right. Yeah, yep. seven and a half. that what it is. Yeah. seven and a half Half sounds right. Okay, so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna take the Packers. In a tight game, I think it's going to be roughly. I think it's going to be roughly like twenty-four to seventeen. I think Trubisky's going to throw a turnover, throw an interception, um, kind of later in the game. Uh, I don't know. Like the Packers have got to put some pressure on them, but they can't. They can't break contain. I think that they need to do. Um, they need to kind of just go back and look at some of the teams that have kind of kept Trubisky in the pro- pocket and kind of force him to beat them, like kind of force him to beat them with his arm. His arm's good. Um, he know, he can make throws, but that's how you have to force him to beat you because he can beat you with his legs. He's a very good runner and he doesn't get like this is from someone who I didn't watch a whole lot of Trubisky last year. when I did, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I've watched him a lot more this year. And he's played, and he's played really well. And his running ability is a lot better than I thought it was. So you got to keep him in the pocket, and just gradually, and just break down on him, and force him to beat you with his beat you with his arm. Because Breland and Alexander, if they're both healthy, they can cover Robinson and um, Anthony Miller very well. Taylor Gabriel could be could cause, cause some problems because he's got that speed. But I'm gonna pick the Packers. I know this is a really long way to get there, but I'm picking. I'm picking the Packers, 24 to 17, 24 20. I think it's gonna be a really tight game here.
1: Yeah, it very well could be. It, it it probably won't be a blowout. I'm not even sure the Bears are capable of blowing anyone out, um, especially not the Packers. Uh, you know, they caught the Rams off guard last week. I feel like it was in the cold. Um, the Rams just were totally out of sync. They really miss Cooper Cup right now. Um, I think we can hopefully get a big game from Rodgers. I think that could be a key, getting a big game, a 300-yard game, maybe three touchdowns. Um, but also, uh, let's not forget, they the Bears did not face Aaron Jones in Week 1. He was serving the suspension. Um, so maybe he can be a next factor, call some more screens uh, for Jones and get him into that 15 to 20 carry range. Uh, and then defensively, I agree a hundred percent make Trubisky, make some tough decisions, keep him in the pocket. Uh, yeah, just, just play straight up. Honestly, just play straight up. Um, you know, send the, send a few blitzes. Pedden, you know, is going to get, con- is going to be probably more conservative, uh, given the injuries, uh, as he's been the past few weeks. Um, but I also think the Packers are going to win this game. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 24-21, uh, similar to what you had. Um, Packers win a close one. Who knows, maybe even Crosby gets some redemption, hits a game winner uh, in the fourth quarter or even overtime. Who knows? Uh, but thank you, Gage, for another great episode of Land Talk. Uh, we will see you guys next week, hopefully celebrating another win.